listening to Lady Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Welcome back to Lave Radio. Here we have the second of our writing interviews with John Harper, who is the author or prospective author of the tie-in elite dangerous novel and Hear the Wheel. Welcome, John. Hello. Tell us a bit about yourself, John. How have you uh, come to this stage in your life with regards to Elite? Um, well, Elite's basically been with me since I was seven or eight. It's uh, always been there since my Atari ST. And, you know, it's been on the back burner and it's come back to the forefront. And, uh, you know, I've gone through uh, high school, university, career as a professional chartered engineer. And I was a professional father for a while, went back to work. At the moment, I'm uh, heavily into Barbie and flower fairies and uh, things like that. At the moment that's uh what, what my daughter's into so i i wear a lot of fairy wings and uh i have a fairy wand and other things and she's also into uh wrapping up birthday presents and unwrapping birthday presents so um a lot of kitty stuff at the moment that's sort of my focus when i'm not writing so to any of our listeners who are very attentive they'll probably already realize that you're not from the uk you're uh calling us in here from new zealand that's right yeah right bottom end of the uh the planet yeah not many elite fans actually that i know of around here I know from the Kickstarter comments there are, you know, there's a few of them, but I've never met any besides one or two of my friends, you know. I feel like I'm holding up the flag trying to keep the lead alive down here. Could you give us a, a little bit of summary about um, what and here the wheel's going to be about? Uh, yeah, well, it's a uh, Elite Dangerous novel. It's going to be set a few years before Elite Dangerous, leading into the game. And it's going to be about a new Elite legend, um, discovering that, discovery of self, and working out who we are. At the same time, defeating a bunch of bad guys who are trying to cause intergalactic war and destroy the galaxy in, in vague terms. How did you first encounter Elite, John? Well, I played it on my Atari ST, or my father's Atari ST, I should say, when I was probably seven or eight. And on the Atari version, it's it's in glorious four or five colours. And it was uh, the only game I really played, really, once I found it. It was just something completely different from everything else. And being an absolute space nut, it was just fantastic. Big memories of it were the uh, the equipment screen. Instead of just being words like in the PC or earlier versions, it had little pictures of it, each article, like the pulse laser and the escape capsule. And they're really quite detailed, and they were the, the story behind Elite to me. I didn't actually realise at the time there was a book, The Dark Wheel. All I could see was these pictures of equipment, and it sort of opened my mind to this bigger world than what I could just see on the computer. And it was, uh, it was a dream. I don't know about you, but when I watched Star Wars as a young person, I wanted to be one of Han Solo's crew. I wanted to be on the Millennium Falcon and, and do all that kind of stuff. Playing Elite, I could do that. It was... It was a dream come true for me to play that game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I actually, I, I played the Atari version as well at a friend's. And yeah, the addition of the colours and the tones to it at the time, it was so immersive and sort of grabbing. So I can completely identify with that. And going through the manual or going through any of the other the stuff where they had all the, the writing or anything else, you really did sort of soak it up. It drew things, drew things into me. 
How long did you play for? Oh, I played that game for years and years. I actually blew up the computer playing it. I think I, um, I had an epic day one day when I was trying to get from Lave, or Lave, one corner of chart one to the other corner, and I was doing the whole cheat, um, well, not cheating. I'd hyperspace in, I'd escape capsule just to avoid the, the hassle of having to fly through the system, get my new Cobra, fly out, escape capsule, and just escape capsule my way all, all the way across the um, chart one. I t- did it for too long, and I think the computer didn't appreciate it, and a big thing of smoke came out of it at some point. So that made me uh, worry about the fact that Dad, Dad was going to come home in a couple of hours and what he was going to say. But uh, that's right, we got it fixed, and I kept playing it. I got up to about uh, deadly, I think. I didn't actually get uh, to elite, unfortunately. It's That's a confession that all of us will probably end up uh, making at one point or another in relation to what rating we got to. I, I sat at dangerous for years when uh, when I had it on the Amstrad, and uh, I think I finally got to deadly. Did you? Uh, and, uh, but it did. It just seemed like, I don't know about you, but it just seemed like that, that those ratings were really hard to get you know, to get past. Yeah, and it was really exciting when the ride-on commander came up. I was like, oh my God, it's a big milestone. It was a big moment. Amazing, isn't it? What, what you know, sort of three words does. I yeah. think, I think you know, those three words sort of made so much of a difference to, you know, that kind of memory in uh, in, in, in the game. Did anything else kind of happen with, with it? Did you play with friends at all? Or is there a lot of people over there that uh, that are really into it? No, not not many at all, really. My mates all had Amigas at the time. They played it on the Amiga as well, that it wasn't that big a deal to them. I was the big elite nut in my group of friends. At school, we do a lot of like creative writing, and I always wrote elite stories. But then there was one year we weren't allowed to write about science fiction for some reason, so I had to write about something else. Yet my friends just went ahead and wrote science fiction. They wrote elite stories, and I was a big character in most of their stories just because i was the i was the elite guy did you play frontier and frontier first encounters yeah absolutely yeah i remember being in christchurch on a little trip with my family and a mate rang me up to tell me that he had the sequel to elite and that blew my mind i said no way you're kidding there's an actual sequel and he was telling me all about these things and i was asking about military lasers and can you do this and can you do that and he's like no i don't know about military lasers but you can land on planets and i'm like oh my god i have to get this game so we went out immediately to the biggest computer store in christchurch I'm from Nelson, which is a pretty small town, and Christchurch was the big smoke for me. And went and found it and made a deal with my dad and got the game. And first thing I did when I got home was play it and uh, basically thrashed Frontier. And then when First Encounters came out, it must have come out delayed in New Zealand. I'm not quite sure because there's a lot of issues with First Encounters. So by the time I saw it in the stores, it was already in the patched stage. So I didn't have any dramas with it. And I ripped right into that and I played that basically from when it came out when I was 12 to um, going to college. And since that point, with the sort of growing up time that we've all had to go through, yeah. um, how have you kept the torch alive? Did you kind of keep playing or did, did Elite kind of go to the back of your mind? Well, absolutely. You know, once I got my first car, it was all about playing with the cars and then chasing women that occupied most of my time. But Elite was always in the background. It was a very important part of my life. It had been, I'd gone to bed with the manual, reading the manual over and over again. It was something that was never going to leave me. But yeah, for, for a period of the year, I didn't, didn't play the game, didn't really do anything. Um, but with the rise of the internet, towards the end of my high school, beginning of university, I found Graham Thurwell's First Encounters page and Alioth.net by Dylan Smith. And there's a bulletin board there and people would, would chat and keep, keep the community alive. And also upload uh, fiction so there's quite a few little just small fiction pieces that people would post up and then someone might take that on and, and and write about the same character and take it a bit further and from that came the huge plasma accelerator saga or the hpa saga is it, it got known and that was basically a person wrote about one person and then another person wrote about that person 
interacting with someone else and then it's turned into a big epic story involving a big a bfg a big damn gun and um yeah it was a swashbuckling adventure that took over the whole ffe universe and when that stopped a, a second story came out and that's when i got involved I, I read the whole first one and when the second one came out i had to jump on board and get involved and i put my own character in there and took it by the scruff of the neck and put it through a second story and a third story but then that that community you know with the years just got smaller and smaller and then the bulletin board itself uh, stopped working and then there was too much spam and didn't happen to dylan but the thing died out and i think we just asked it to last maybe one or two years too many if elite dangerous had been back in 2010 it might have survived but yeah it sort of petered out so that was that but when did you find out about the kickstarter and uh, what was your early experience well i was what i do when i get the kids to sleep get them pretty tired get them mostly asleep put them in bed and then i sort of hang in the room in the silence and that's when i sort of check out facebook i was already following elite page or whatever and then it mentioned some sort of special announcement and i thought no way it's not going to be a sequel no i'm not that lucky but then uh went to bed because i'm 12 hours whatever behind you guys or ahead of you guys you woke up the next morning and there was the announcement kickstarter elite dangerous went to kickstarter and there's already hundreds of thousands of dollars on it jumped on board and uh basically um kicked the comments page on the computer for the next two months or whatever it was having found the the kickstarter did you pledge early on no, no, straight away. I jumped in for the, there was a early bird special, 20 bucks for the game, I think it was. Told my wife she wasn't keen. I thought, 20 pounds, what, what can I lose? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think actually there's there's this really common theme that I've noticed with most people we've spoke to on Lave Radio and also I spoke to generally about this uh, permission system <laughs> yeah. that we all appear to have gone through. It is It is really funny to, you know, to kind of hear that, everyone is is sort of having the same kind of discussion i i, I completely appreciate that yeah wife's not really into science fiction she doesn't really get space at all so i i battled to get the 20 bucks but i got it but then i uh slowly sort of each my way up to 37 dollars i think to get the explorer starter pack but then i made the ultimate jaunty of course but did um did you get involved in the community when uh, when the kickstarter discussion page started up oh the, the comments for the kickstarter i was on that quite a bit I think I had a, a log on for the forums, but I didn't really use that until after the Kickstarter had finished. Basically used the Kickstarter itself to involve myself with the community. But yeah, I used that at night and perhaps at work when I shouldn't have and in the mornings and any other time I could get away with it. So how did we go from that $37 to where you are now with the writer's pack? How did you get from that point to you know this huge extra project? Take us through it. Well, I was cruising along at 20 25 dollars by that stage probably and then the writer pack appeared and oh, it was like a um, bittersweet moment i was like oh my gosh able to write a official fiction oh my god 4500 pounds for that ruins that dream complete shattering of anything but then i thought well i was quite keen to be involved somehow writing is is what i do i happen to be a mechanical engineer but writing is really who i am so i sent a question to david braven saying what about maybe writing an article in one of the newspapers at that stage assuming that the federation times the imperial gazette etc would, would still be in the game maybe writing one of the articles would be just my little piece of the official canon and thinking such a small article might be perhaps within my price range but didn't hear back from him and then i saw drew start his one and i thought oh, he's mad that's just that's just crazy but people started throwing money at him so i thought well what have i got to lose so i tried to do that um the first hiccup being that not being a us or uk citizen i couldn't use kickstarter that basically put me back into neutral and then i learned about someone else as i forget his name now um had one on indiegogo so i checked that out and i could use that and so yeah i started setting it up and it was a bit of a process 
I wanted to have a, a full story synopsis up front. I knew people might not want to read it, but like if I was going to a, a publishing house, they would expect a synopsis. And if you go to a bookstore to buy a book, you've got the whole book in front of you to sort of flip through if you want to. So I wanted to have that amount of information available to people to look at so they could say, yes, this John guy knows what he's doing or he sounds like a loon, I'll, I'll stay away. Um, so it took a while to sort of get that information organized and, and list my credentials and get everything out there. Um, but in a way, the words were actually the easy part. You know, Drew was going mad, making videos all the time, and there was those pictures and, and videos, and I didn't really have any ability to do any of that. Fortunately, the community got behind me, and one of the guys made a movie for me, and other guys started knocking up some book covers for me. So I threw that media onto my website, and then eventually I, I bit the bullet and got some video editing software and started putting video videos up, most of them just me talking, but a few videos of it teaser trailer of, of historians a few things just to get a bit of interest um and then yeah that was within the first couple of days got got it live and it was a bit of a uh i'd say a painful process really i suppose the big problem was that i was on indiegogo and everyone was already on kickstarter and kickstarter had a pretty good system where you, you could pledge but not actually fork over the cash until the end while indiegogo was purely paypal and you paid up front and, and that scared a lot of people off i got a lot of comments on the main kickstarter page saying that oh good for you, but I, I, I'm not really going to go to Indiegogo. I don't agree with their methods and comments like that. So there's a lot of people that could have backed me if I was on Kickstarter, but, but chose not to on Indiegogo. So that was a pretty big hurdle to get over. So yeah, I didn't really make much progress. I had an initial jump because I had some mates do some rather generous pledging for me. But then nothing really happened across the whole thing. Inch by inch, got a little bit higher. You know, it was throughout the whole thing. I pretty much knew it wasn't going to happen. But I thought, well, I haven't lost anything by trying. And if I hadn't tried, I knew I'd regret it for the rest of my life. So, yeah, nothing ventured, nothing gained. But with about two days to go, and halfway there, I was dead and buried. Then I got a very extremely generous donation from a member of the community. It's probably not fair to call it this, but it was an insane amount of money, and it was super, super generous. And that took me from being nowhere to being an outside chance of actually making it. And I guess that perhaps drove people on, knowing that it was actually going to happen, made people want to you know, get involved. When before they'd sort of hung back because they didn't want to lose their PayPal money and currency conversion fees, now they sort of thought it might be a reality. More people got involved in it. It sort of snowballed. And with one day to go, I think I needed 1,700 American dollars um, out of 7,400 total. So that, that last day was pretty intense. I think I, was, I finished about 8 a.m. Um, UK time, which was really... In hindsight, a stupid time to finish because everyone's waking up. But, you know, I kept hassling everyone on the comments page. Please, please, please help me out. Help me out. And, um, yeah, it was a really strange thing. People were just throwing money at me. It was it was insane. And with, like, four minutes to go, I, I got across the line. It was absolutely amazing feeling. Everyone just rallied behind me. And if it wasn't for the community, it, it would not have happened. It was the only reason... I got it done. It was just everyone sort of believed in me and just threw the cash my way and got me across the line. It was absolutely amazing. It was just indescribable, really. Yeah, no, I can I can appreciate that. Through those last 24 hours and maybe even the, the last few days, really, it kind of showed... I mean, obviously, there was a period in the middle where, you know, everyone was kind of looking at it and going, is Elite Dangerous actually going to get funding? You know, all of us were thinking maybe it won't. But then in those last days when everything kind of came together and you kind of look at it and you go, well, there is such a goodwill for this. 
such a goodwill for it to, to happen. And people seem to want to support everything that would be associated too. I think Michael was saying the other day, wasn't he, that there's nearly 30 fiction projects in total? Yeah, 13, I think, was it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. I don't think any computer game in history has had that much associated fiction with it. Well, how immersive is this universe going to be when you get this game that you can live you got all these different books, including role-playing games, that you can live the game and read the game and then play the game. I think this is going to be a watershed moment for computing, I reckon. And similarly, that they're all out at the same time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> going to be quite crazy in terms of sort of everything. Almost a feast in March 2014 for what's there. In terms of going to the project, your final totals and everything else, are you all sorted now to sort of move it forward? Well, yeah, I only just got across the line with, with my funding, so I'm pretty far from any stretch goals, but you can still get on PayPal on my website. All the main pledge tiers are there. Um, if you want to be, become a, a beta reader or an editor or anything, or name a character, you can still still pay for those on the website. The next stretch goal is, is basically to get some professional editing and covers. But you know, if you want to think of it as buying early, pre-ordering the story, that's fine as well. What kind of thing can we expect from an Hear the Wheel? You, as I mentioned before, it's, just, it's going to be a swashbuckling adventure, that's how I like to call it. It's going to have all your usual action-adventure things. We're going to have chases in space and on the ground, fist fights, laser fights. That's a, a point whether we're going to be allowed laser guns or not space battles and there's going to be a new elite legend which if you want to find out about you have to read the story but it's it's not just an action thing it's also a journey of discovery for the characters i don't have quotation marks good people and quotation marks bad people i've got antagonists doing what they think they need to do the right thing um, even though they know that perhaps their methodology is wrong but they're justifying it to themselves i've got the people the protagonists which are flawed people as well like the protagonist is a pirate steals things kills people but he's you know you'd say he's got a, a good heart hopefully doing maybe the right thing for hopefully the right reasons but everyone's flawed and they're across the spectrum it's not one people at one end of the spectrum one people at the other end so i'm hoping the reader's going to be able to root for everyone not just uh, the main character i think to be fair elite lends itself to that doesn't it yeah uh, the whole idea of the different factions and and everything that's there, it, it kind of lends itself to some things are darker shades of grey and some things are sort of lighter shades of grey. But there are always ways to, to see that one side is a good side and one side is a bad side. I was going to move that towards what you're doing. Are you looking at any of the particular factions? Is there any particular faction that you're thinking is key to the way the book's going to work? I guess there's the alliance of the three superpowers the alliance is the one i'm using the most because one of the protagonists is an alliance um, intelligence agent so she's got her background in there but otherwise i'm kind of although i play on them it's funny even though they're the ones that are going to be affected by whether the protagonist is successful or not in the story they're not actually in the forefront of the story this is it's kind of a um happening in the background so by the time the story finishes and the game starts, the players aren't going to know that anything's, anything's wrong. It's kind of in, in the background. It's all, it's all secret squirrel stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously having those sort of big powers and what have you behind the story of individuals, it gives it depth or, or grandiose. The, the, you're played against a background of stars. And I think when the books come together in terms of seeing all of the pieces when they all come out, we've got that opportunity that, you know, you can see all the stories of individuals played against this background of of large political factions moving in different ways. And that's, you know, not to just talk about the three, you know, obviously the corporations come into that as well. Are you looking to make use of some of that element? Absolutely, yeah. I, I want to try and touch on everything, really. I'm going to be, like, my protagonist has a, a history with the Federation. I won't go into that. You'll, you'll find it when you read it. So there's a bit of Federation knowledge in there. Um, they go to a corporate world, I can tell you that. 
And that's going to be a bit of a fun one because the corporations work a lot differently from anything that you and I are used to living in. Going to end up in the empire at some point, traveling through some independent systems. You know, I'm sort of trying to cover all the bases that I can really that all the fans of, of First Encounters will know about like the Sirius Corp and the other corporations and the Alliance Federation Empire. I'm trying to touch on everything. So it's a First Encounters. It's an elite story. It couldn't be anything else. I couldn't pick the story up and put it in a different universe. It would only work in this universe. It's so interwined with everything that it's just definitely an elite story. And you'll see so much very similitude that you just know, yeah, I, I know about that. I've, you know, I've played that back in FFV. I'm aware of that. You're playing Elite Dangerous as well. Everything's going to link up and it's going to be one with the game. Where have you managed to get to with regards to the writing at this stage? Are you kicking on? What's your progress like at the moment? And what's your process with regards to working with Frontier Developments? I don't know if this sounds bad, but I didn't do any work on it until I actually crossed the line because throughout my whole campaign, I thought, well, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Why spend time working on this project when I can do some other writing projects because it's clearly not going to happen. Then it happened and uh, mate came around and have a celebratory drink. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have to write this book now. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So um, January was a crazy planning month. I wrote a 30-page outline, a three-page synopsis, and I sent that off to Frontier for approval. At the same time, I sent it to a story coach as well to get his feedback on the actual plot mechanics, you know, just get a fresh set of eyes to look at it, make sure I wasn't bypassing something that would add some value and I wasn't basically maximizing my conflict and tension and emotional charging of, of the story. So I got that feedback back and I made some changes, improved the idea. Then Frontier came back and said, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And my initial knee-jerk reaction is, oh my God, I have to do everything all over again. It was a... um bit of a down the dumps moment but it's amazing what a drive to work can do uh, by the time I got to work I'd figured out a plan and instead of doing work I emailed back the, the crew at Frontier straight away saying this is what I want to do and I think this is going to be really awesome and they came back and said yep that's great and David Bravian's comments are da 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 we'd like you to do this to it as well go for it so that was a I went from the bottom of the barrel to the top again in the space of a couple of hours and um, had to obviously rewrite quite a bit of my synopsis and my outline and I talked about it on my website a bit I broke the story down into what I called beats which was just like the hits of each bit of action about how the story progresses got that all sorted and I wanted to start writing 1st of February but I didn't quite meet that I think I started 4th or 5th of February and then I just I just ripped into the drafting and the drafting is the easiest part for me if I've got an outline to go off I'm a real fast typer and I just went hard. I think I did 7,000 words the first week and then 10,000 words and 11,000 words and I think about 36,000 as of just before we started talking, about 36,000 words. It's probably going to be, this draft will be about 100,000 words I'm, I'm, I'm feeling and I'll go through and probably add more in my next draft phase and then I'll start cutting back and trimming it and polishing it and making it finer. So I'll probably end up about, I hope to end up at 90,000 words is the plan. It'll be up and down to get there. Yeah, no, I envy you for that because uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm quite as prolific. My best time certainly recently, and it's usually a thousand words a day when I'm into it. But you're a good, let's see, thirty-two thousand words ahead of me. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, you, 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 I've got to be real sneaky about it. So, if I have a bit of a lunch break. If I do have a lunch break, then that's just writing. And then sometimes I do commissioning for work, which often involves sitting around waiting for things to heat up, and so I can crack at the computer and get fifteen minutes there. And at night time, when everyone's asleep, I can sneak into the half an hour there. So it's just a bit at a time, a bit at a time. But it does help being a fast writer. I use a Dvorak keyboard, which um, really speeds things up i recommend if, if anyone's interested in becoming more prolific then um speeding up your typing is definitely key to doing that yeah no i actually i use dictation software 
Oh, it's so, probably um, faster, isn't it? Yeah, for certain things it is. I mean, it's still problematic to kind of use it uh, for fiction quite a lot of the time because, you you know, obviously you go back and, and repunctuate, but um, yeah. certainly for a lot of other things, it's, it's amazing. Turning to the game then, are there uh, any particular things that you're looking forward to about playing it? What are the first kind of things you're going to do when you get a chance to have a crack at Elite Dangerous? Yeah, well, initially I didn't think I was going to be playing it. I, I pledged this as a payback to Braben and thank you for all the fun times I've had with the games over the years. You know, I don't really play computer games anymore. I do writing if I have spare time. But, you know, as you got into it, the emotion got back and, oh, you're definitely going to have to uh, at least have a bit of a play around. I think I'd, you know, have a nosy around, explore what I can. Obviously, can't do the planet straight away, but go out into the, uh, we have a term here in New Zealand, the Wop Wops, out in the middle of nowhere. Go check out the, the dark areas between worlds and just have a look at the road less travelled. Because I, I did that quite a bit in First Encounters, just checking out the the random gas giants and the suns and I tried to get to um, Beta Lyrae in the game and of course for those that tried will know that that doesn't work but that's the kind of thing I like to do go out into, into the unknown and see what I can find see what the game game can actually offer me yeah no absolutely I when I played Elite I was spent days looking for generation ships yeah which <laughs> went there and of course they're not in the game you know and but i still spent days looking for them so you know yeah. i can completely get that that kind of exploration i guess is it that exploration that you're looking forward to then yeah there's a lot of that i'd hope to find a, a dredge or two myself or some uh derelict ships you know some things that were lost thargoid ships or whatever but i actually always quite enjoyed the trading aspect and i don't know if that sounds a bit lame or not but it was always quite satisfying um finding a good deal like this a holy medicine run in first encounters you know making a good buck was actually quite a good feeling actually souping up a ship to an iron ass just doing the same things actually you know? there's going to be new things in elite dangerous but i think sticking with the basics is going to be the fun for me and sort of reliving the nostalgia in the new game with the new graphics and the new environment you're going to consider popping by the live radio station in game if uh, if they choose to give us one? Oh, absolutely i'll come see you yeah and in fact i've got a um it's not not official yet but the uh, new legend that i discussed um which i won't detail at all hopefully that will actually be in the game we'll see but if people can actually find that that would be pretty fantastic feeling for me to actually stumble across that in the game yeah no absolutely i mean i think that's possibly one of the biggest attractions for certainly for me as a fiction writer and i guess for other fiction writers too that actually some of the things that we're going to write about could be because the developments alongside the game they could be actually in it which would be amazing it takes it from just a simple tie-in novel to actually almost learn like a part of the game. You, you read the book and then these events happen. You can go to the game and go to the same places and maybe even see the same people once you're allowed to walk around on planets or, you know, whatever. It's going to be yeah something really different, something fantastic, I think. Of the other projects, are you aware of, uh, I mean, we talked about the fact that, you know, there's about 30 projects in total of what's going through. Any particular ones that have grabbed you? Well, I bet most of them, I think. I like the, the anthology idea that... Um, the bunch of short stories are going to be combined into one story. I think that's quite cool because that sort of harks back in the box of Frontier. You got the stories from the Frontier book with a bunch of little short stories to set the scene. And to do that again with a bunch of different stories again on the Frontier or wherever they happen to be, I think that is quite an easy way to quick little bit of reading to get a bit of perspective on the, on the universe and then get into the game. So I think having that anthology is going to be quite good and it's going to be quite attractive to some players perhaps start there to get into the game before they tackle the, the novels. Obviously, with uh, with those connected stories, they've got very different authors this time, which will, uh, will be quite interesting. Hopefully, we're going to try to get them on either in a block, or which will be a very interesting call, or individually when we can uh, through the year. So we've got a bit of time. But, uh, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of comes out with that. 
So going back to and hear the wheel, um, what sort of thing should we be looking forward to in the next few weeks in relation to your blog and your updates and um, and the eventual book? Right. Well, uh, in the next few weeks, you'll probably be seeing um, a few guest posts on some other blogs, trying to get some publicity out there. I do uh, weekly updates, and when, when I can, I do midweek updates, a bit of background about myself and, and my writing, and even techniques for writing, if people are interested in that thing. Um, yeah, but every week, I, I do an update, um, how many words I've done, my total words, what's been happening in regards to the writing, and that's been, uh, basically, that'll continue on all the way through, and once I finish my drafting stage, or the post will change, we go into editing and talking more about how to improve things and how things are changing. And then we'll um, we'll go from there and see how we go. Okay, so for anybody that doesn't have John's website and, uh, and other contact details, his blog, you can find it at andhearthewheel.co.nz. And you can also follow him at Twitter on at andhearthewheel. Thanks for talking to us, John. It's been fantastic chat, and hopefully we'll talk again sometime soon. Great, thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk later. Take care. Cheers, thanks, bye.